Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. This is the Grace for This City podcast, the Grace for Your City podcast. Come on. Can I have an amen, somebody? And uh, I got sidetracked there. What are we doing? We are helping you turn your cities upside down. How are we doing that? We are giving you scriptural motivation and strategy straight out of the Bible that will help to motivate you to get out there and get some stuff done for King Jesus. And I'm so excited to be part of what God is doing in your life. Hallelujah. But listen, this is a, um, it takes both of us. All right. We got to have people who are coming into agreement with us, praying, making power available, the power generator of prayer so that there is utterance. There's the word of the Lord that can come forth. And so if you've been blessed by our podcast, well, then I just ask you to join us in prayer so that we would have the word of the Lord or utterance would be made available to the listener. Hallelujah. You know, utterance is greatly affected by the listener. And we want to answer those questions should the Lord lead us across their path. Listen, this podcast is for somebody. Hallelujah. All right, well, let's jump right into this today. And I want to talk about occupying your place. There's a place that you occupy, and I'm not just talking about your physical place. I'm not just talking about your home or your property, although that's included. We're talking about the place in him. In him we live and move and have our being. And there is a place right there. You represent a place in the heavenlies, a place of authority and dominion in the heavenlies in him. Listen, your citizenship, your original point of operation is not earthly friends. No, you got to understand you've been delivered from this natural realm. Now we're still here subjected in hope, but uh, because there's an outworking of a plan here, there are many that need to come to the knowledge of the truth, but we are simultaneously seated there with him in the heavenly places, the heavenly Mount Zion. That's our home. That's the kingdom from which we operate from. That's our delegation. Uh, in Philippians there, it says that we are citizens. The word, the Greek word there is political. Our politics is not of this world, friends. It's of the heavenly place. All right, so we want to dive into that right there and encourage ourselves in occupying our place in him. So let's jump right or jump left or jump straight. Let's get into it. All right, so um, I found this to be very interesting um, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, we've been in this uh, interesting, oh, I don't know, it's a mashup of, of, you know, disease, sickness, plague, you know, COVID, if you're watching this, you know, in the archives, you know, 2020, 2021, coming into 2022, you know, there was this, you know, the pandemic that went across the world. And uh, it's just been an interesting place. Well, you know, some of the studies that have come out of that, looking at how that has affected the livelihood of people, how it has affected their paradigm, their thinking, their way of thinking. Uh, for some people, it really, it really laid heavy. It really, um, boy, it really affected them uh, negatively. Uh, and, and sadly, you know, that some, some people didn't pull through uh, still trusting in the Lord the way they went into it. But um, so I was studying some stuff concerning that and listen to this. So one of these uh, Christian research firms, uh, you know, that kind of one of the most well-known ones, uh, Barna, they kind of look at trends and stuff going on among Christians. This is what they said during and after the pandemic, over one third of practicing Christians disengaged from their congregations, quote, just sort of stopped showing up. Now, to be honest, I think that that was a trend. Uh, it was headed that way before the pandemic. Um, less and less people are as engaged as we used to be culturally. And I'm talking about in things of the church. People have just pulled back. There's been other conveniences. 
you know, that have made it easier for people not to gather together. You know, the Bible says to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. But he says, as you see the day approaching, then you need to get together and encourage one another, stir one another up to love and to good works. Well, people don't want to be stirred up. And, uh, you know, there's, like I said, there's reasons, more convenient reasons for people to disengage. Uh, So less and less people are showing up. But uh, definitely the pandemic affected that. Um, According to a CBS uh, report, more than 4,000 churches closed in America in 2020 alone. There's several reasons for that. Probably the diminishment in attendance. Uh, Again, the trend was already going that that way. Uh, This pandemic just, you know, exaggerated it. But uh, since 2020... Four or excuse me, four thousand churches closed in America alone in 2020. But since 2020, over this same time, over 20,000 pastors have left the ministry, and 50 percent, according to this survey, 50 percent of currently active pastors say that they would leave the ministry had they uh, or had they had another way of making a lim- uh, a living. Excuse me for stuttering over this sentence here. But over 50% of currently active pastors say they would leave the ministry if they had another way of making a living. Now, these are sad statistics, but um, apparently this is the feedback that they received. Now, here's what David Kinnaman, the president of Barna, said as a summary as he was like uh, looking over these statisticals, these stats, these numbers, this statistical data. He said, I think the long-term effect of this, listen to this, is going to be a stronger church, but probably a smaller church. Now, I thought, wow, this is so interesting. Here he says the result may be a smaller church, but a stronger church. Wow, wow, wow. You know, and that made me think immediately of the story of Gideon. And here he starts out with like 30,000 people. But the Lord said, hey, whoever is afraid, uh, whoever is uh terrified among you, then tell him he's released. Let him go home. Well, I think the first division of his armies was 20,000 people. So it left him with 10,000. Then there was a second test, and it was testing the posturing of, of the hearts, and that ultimately left him with 300 people. Well, you know, the Bible says that um, in 1 Samuel fourteen six that nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So really, it's not that we need quantity. Now, it's a sad, 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 sad. You know, when I think about these these churches and these pastors, I mean, it's sad that they had to close their doors. We don't know exactly all the reasons, you know, maybe some speculation here. I think the trend was kind of going that way anyways, as I've said. But um, here you have these men and women, totally tragic that they have had to step out of the ministry or close the ministry or they burned out or whatever, whatever the case may be. But really, at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't take quantity. Like, quantity is not the final differentiating factor as to whether or not the Lord is going to be able to accomplish what he wants to do. It's, it's kind of more of a quality of person, a yielded person, somebody that's just absolutely just going to do what the Lord says do. And so I want to encourage you, maybe your church has dwindled in size. Well, it's not a big deal. People make that such a big deal. Deal. Now, we don't want to run off people by being stupid, uh, rude, arrogant, prideful, sinful, whatever. But what I'm saying is people have quantified the success of a thing in numbers. And they say, well, the more numbers, the more successful. The more nickels and noses, the more successful. Listen, it has been a pattern of the Lord. Now, he's used numbers. Don't misunderstand me. But I, we also see precedent for him using smaller numbers and yet still accomplishing massive things. It's not always true that the crowd has the direction of the Lord or the word of the Lord or the heart of the Lord on a thing. And uh, so I want to encourage you not to be so concerned about the loss of numbers. You know, if you go to a church or maybe you are a pastor, you're a ministry leader and, you know, you have survived the last couple years 
and, and, and maybe you, your numbers have dwindled. Don't for one second take any condemnation over that. My goodness, you are not ultimately responsible for the decisions people make to be a part of your ministry or not. The Lord is involved, and uh, he can deal with them. But I want you to know he can save by many or by few. Listen, your ministry is not over because you don't have the, quote, number of people you think is required. It boils down to this, not being overly concerned with the um, impression. I'm talking about natural impression, what people are thinking, what your 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 organization, your or, or your uh, denomination, uh, whoever you're ordained with or whatever, whatever the church gurus say, it, it doesn't matter if you don't meet the natural expectations or you're not impressing somebody with your numbers. Listen, that is a slippery slope. Uh, again, we don't want to run away people, run off people. We don't want to be mean, arrogant, ignorant, stupid, poor leadership, all that. Yes, 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 yes. But at the end of the day, there is a greater metric of determining success than just natural numbers. And I'm telling you, it's whether or not you are occupying and fulfilling the spiritual mandate that God has placed on you. Some of that cannot be measured naturally. There is an outworking. There is an effect. There is a demonstration, a manifestation, totally, totally, totally. But ultimately, God can use the few, and you may have, I mean, it's relative, right? Maybe somebody says, well, you have a few folks. Well, there's probably a hundred other pastors thinking, uh, wow, that's amazing how many people you have. I mean, it's all relative. What a trap. I don't want to get on my soapbox here, but I was involved in that church growth stuff. I was consulting for a while, and I consulted with these pastors that had been in the ministry for you know, 30, 40, 50 years, and here they were feeling all sad and like they hadn't succeeded in ministry or somehow their leadership failed because they couldn't break, you know, a hundred people, you know, on a Sunday morning. And it's like nobody, myself included, you know, uh, my responsibility at, at that time was not to encourage them in the spiritual work they were doing. We were just looking at nickels and noses here. And unfortunately, these guys felt like they didn't accomplish anything because over the years, they didn't have more than 100 people come to their church. What a sad state of affairs. What a sad metric to weigh your entire ministry by. But it's it's happening all the time, all over the place. Now, I don't care who you are. You want your ministry to produce fruit. But fruit isn't just breaking attendance records. Boy, I'm telling you, that is so ridiculous. There's so many, so, so many pastors caught in that trap. You know, Sunday morning comes and they're looking out the crowd, wondering who's there, wondering who's not there, wondering if there's anybody new, what did they do wrong? You know, and then you start to harass people about inviting people to church. Hey, I totally get it. If you're inviting people because of the ministry and the demonstration of the spirit and the word of the Lord and, and all that kind of stuff. But if it's just to break attendance records, brother, that is sad, man. That is no vision. That is no vision. You have no vision if the only vision is to just break attendance records. All right. So for those that are really pressed in and just obeying God, uh, you'll find um, that um, you may not be impressing, you know, people who are counting, but if you are impressing God and obeying him, he's going to use you to do mighty things, just like he did with Gideon, just like he's done with dozens and hundreds and thousands and uh, tens of thousands of people throughout time who just simply said, I'm yours to command. What do you want me to do? Uh, you know, I'm willing to face a stripping away of all, you know, stripping away of all the trappings of natural successful metrics to just be obedient to the Lord. Listen, if you give it all up for the Lord, he will add back to you. But if you hang on to your own definitions of, of success, listen, that'll be a crack of compromise and you'll eventually lose. You know, I'm thinking of 20,000 pastors that quit the ministry in 2020, 2021, over these last couple of years. What's up? Where's your stamina? Where's your staying power? You know, I, you know, some of these guys just generally were burned out, but I don't think it's because of the pandemic. I think it was, you know, poor leadership paradigms 
uh, coming up into this. This just exaggerated it. But really, you know, without being too hard on them, it's kind of like, where's your staying power? I mean, are you all sad sauce because, you know, you don't have 300 people, 400 people, 500 people? Are you all sad and depressed because, you know, 20 people left your church? Listen, boy, that that is a dangerous place to be. It's constantly uh, relying on the natural to substantiate what God's done in you spiritually, to allow the natural to determine the success of your spiritual calling. Uh, dangerous place, friends. Now, I get it. People on the other side of the argument say, well, anything healthy grows. Well, cancer grows. Division grows. Strife grows. Sexual sin grows. Uh, hello, alcoholism grows. Carnality grows. Fleshiness grows. I, listen, that is a ridiculous argument. We don't weigh or measure this by the natural proof of a thing. The, you, the natural proof, you're using the natural to substantiate. You're using the thing, which is transient, temporary, to substantiate the unseen or the eternal. Now, again, there is an outworking. There is a influence, an effect, a weight that will come on the natural as we are obeying God. Totally, totally, totally believe it. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Uh but to put all of our eggs in that basket is dangerous. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody is dangerous. Okay. Now, uh, the Lord began to minister to me about occupying our place. First and foremost, coming to, an, coming to an understanding, a revelation, if you will, of what our spiritual operation was, our spiritual place, our spiritual calling, our mandate, our assignment, etc. Again, you got to understand that not everybody's assignment has to do, uh, you know, with uh, uh, majorly substantiated physical signs of a thing. Um, again, like a a uh, intercessor say, um, some of these intercessors are doing more than the pastors are. Like they're praying, and the fruit of their prayers is creating breakthrough. They're generating power. James five sixteen. Their prayers are making power available and accessible, and people are coming into that. There's a work that is happening, and not just how amazingly cool the pastor is. You know, um, people have been assigned to churches to pray, and there is pillars of this, supports. Some of this is unseen work, but it's just, but it just, it has tangible results. All right, but he said you got to occupy this place first, and. Um, we, we must develop ourselves. This is what the Lord said. He said, develop yourself to where you could occupy and hold a place in the spirit rather than just occupy or hold a natural place. Again, the Lord said that the Father wants to accomplish many things, but unless someone occupies a place of dominion and authority in the spirit first, he's unable to do what he would like to do. Um, I shared a story uh, here in a message that I did on a Sunday about how Kenneth Copeland, as an example, he likes to minister at a particular church every year and a church that is the smallest of the churches that he regularly visit visits. But he likes to go there in January because there are things he is able to accomplish and say because of the place and the spirit that this church occupies. There's an atmosphere, if you will, that this church has contended for. And in that atmosphere, it it's easy. It's a spiritual atmosphere. In the spirit, things are easy, 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 easy. So you can be in massive mega churches, and we're not saying that big churches are bad. We're In fact, we're de-emphasizing numbers is, is the point of this. We're saying, what is the work that they've labored, labored for in the spirit? Obviously, if you have a massive church, a mega church, and these people are, are in unified effort at taking authority and uh, taking authority in the atmosphere, taking authority over their city, their communities, uh, communities, etc. Well, obviously that's awesome. But we're, but just because you have numbers 
doesn't mean you occupy a place in the spirit. You may occupy a place in the natural, and you may impress all kinds of people and things. Uh, you may impress the mayor. You may impress city council. You may impress investors. You may impress all kinds of things in the natural with your bigness and your size, but that doesn't mean that you're impressive in the spirit. It, it doesn't mean that you have any weight. Doesn't it, Being large in the natural doesn't mean you have any authority in the spirit realm. The Lord said, um, uh, this in Luke nineteen thirteen, he called his 10 servants together and delivered to them 10 pounds. And he said, occupy till I return. Now, what does this word occupy mean? Occupy means to have, it means to hold. It means to possess, to reside. It means to claim. It carries the idea of not just a one and done, but a continuance of action. It is a consistent and persistent action. It's not a loose grip. It's a firm possession. It would be something like an owner's mentality. It means to control a place or a space. If you are in control of a place or space, the idea is that you are the dominant presence. You cover or fill up or fill in the majority of the occupiable space. To support the command to occupy Jesus, and in this particular contextual passage, he gave them a gift. There in Luke, it was minus or money. But principally, and we understand this from Luke chapter 10, verse 19, that he has given us authority and power. Behold, I have given you authority and power to trample on serpents and scorpions, physical and mental strength and ability. He said, I've given this to you so that you would have power over the enemy. You would have power over what the enemy possesses and nothing shall in any way harm you is what he says. Now, again, we mentioned that story of Gideon, Judges 7, 2. And the first thing he told Gideon here is that the people who are with you are too many. The people who are with you are too many. Can you imagine hearing that? Some of these pastors today, if they heard that, they wouldn't know what to do. They wouldn't know what to do. This mechanism in the natural is so big and propped up on the number of people. uh, They wouldn't know what to do if the Lord said there's too many of them with you. Again, we're trying to de-emphasize numbers. It doesn't matter if you have a lot. It doesn't matter if you have a little. But what has the Lord said? What, What has he said? This is your assignment. This is your mandate. Some people start out in the ministry. And the only dream or plan they have is growing the number of attendees. Well, fine. Uh, There's nothing wrong with many people. But we're saying if the vision is just for more numbers, I'm saying you may not have much of a vision. You may have a vision. You say, well, we have a vision for revival. Well, you may actually just have a vision for church growth. You say, well, we have a vision to impact our city. You might just have a vision um, for notoriety, uh, you know, some of the motives behind why we do what we do. Why do you do what you do? You know, there was a big, big push, you know, to do community events and, you know, and have a presence in the community and all of that. Hey, I totally get, I mean, praise God. But at the end of the day, you know, there are books. I mean, we're talking about dozens of books. In fact, there are college courses now. There are um, conferences There are trainings, there are seminars that are all geared towards how you can grow your church, and all this stuff is textbook according to church gurus. I'm saying that you're doing some of the stuff you're doing not because it was birthed from the Spirit. It's not because the Lord told you to. You're doing it because that was the steps to church growth. And as soon as you break whatever attendance records you think this is going to leverage you towards, you're not going to do it anymore because you're going to go on to the next thing that will cause you to break the next attendance record. I'm saying that in a real honest conversation with the Lord, you will have to wrestle with these things, why you're doing what you're doing. And if the Lord says, here's what I want you to do, and it doesn't require this many people, again, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to take the limelight off of numbers being the sole success marker and talk about just occupying your place, doing what God called you to do, obeying him in the thing that he has impressed upon your spirit to be doing. 
The spiritual thing is first, friends. It is first. And that work may be prayer. It may be just communion with him. Um, before there is some strategy of a physical outworking that may garner the attention of other people. We're saying our first action here is not just accumulating. Our first action is, Lord, what do you want me to do? What is our ministry assignment? What is our ministry calling? You say, well, we're a church. Yeah, oh, yeah, fine. Hallelujah. He said he'll build it. Um, so we're checking in with him, and we're not moved. You know, we're not moved by the last several years. You know, I don't know if you're watching this, and maybe you're a pastor, and you're on the verge of, of quitting. Why? Why are you quitting? Who told you it was okay to quit? Who told you that you can't continue on even with less people? Yeah, I mean, some people, you know, it's not like they've lost a lot of people. We're just talking about they just saw the numbers drop. You know, they're looking at records and offerings, and you're already justifying that it's over because of numbers. Don't do that, friend. Don't do that, friend. You're calling. Uh, you may not know much about it, but your calling is way more important than just a few uh, uh, dips in the metrics. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father, for these men and women that you've called, these men and women that are appointed, these men and women, Lord, that you've put out there in the trenches. Father, we pray that, uh, and I pray that you hear how weighty your spiritual assignment is. Maybe you've put too much emphasis on the accumulation of natural things, or you've put too much emphasis. You've asked the natural to substantiate your spiritual calling, and I'm telling you, it's not able to. But I'm saying that's no reason to quit, friend. Uh, you may need to just get back with the Lord and find out what you're supposed to be doing. And if it's ministering to, you know, maybe you're used to 500 and now you only have 200. Well, hey, bro, if you're obeying God, hey, sis, if you're obeying God, you need to celebrate. Hallelujah. He can do more with those 200 than you were doing with the 500. Hallelujah, somebody. It's perspective changes a lot of things here. And I don't know who you've been listening to. If you've read all the books that I read, it's real easy to get depressed. I mean, how are you ever going to break every next record? It is ridiculous. You, you won't unless you start compromising a little bit on the main thing that God's called you to. Judges 7-2, listen, it is very possible. God would say, you've got too many people with you. And then you have to say, wow. How did I build this thing beyond its usability? You understand what I'm saying? How, do, how in the world, why in the world did I allow this thing to be so structured in a way that I'm beyond being used of the Lord? I'm beyond flexibility. I'm beyond uh, the, a strategic maneuvering. There's a lot of churches, a lot of pastors that haven't even considered this. Well, that's why we're talking about it. Praise the Lord. Now, if you're in one, one of these churches that isn't, quote, as big as they would like to be, okay, that's relative. relative. These numbers are fleeting. Fleeting, absolutely fleeting. Fleeting, just fleeting. We want to be, we want to be, you know, a thousand people. Fleeting, very fleeting, fleeting. Um, but if, but if, but if you're in one of these churches that's not as big as they would want to be, listen, I'm imploring you to encourage your 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 pastor. Hey, don't don't worry about that. We're just focused on obeying. Just encourage your pastor. Listen, hey pastor, do not for one second uh, some uh, surmise summarize the success of your ministry and your tenure based on who's here or who's not here. Don't for one moment dare peek out of your office and look over the crowd. And think today's not going to be a good day because so-and-so isn't here or X amount of news, new people aren't here. Just buckle down. Just say, hey, pastor, you just buckle down in what God has called us to do, and we'll be right with you. And pray, my friend, that you pass the heart test, that you would be counted usable and worthy to support your leader in the mission that is ahead of him. And I'm talking about those that were in Gideon's army, 20,000 were told to go home because they were afraid. And then another uh, 9,700 
had a test about where their hearts really postured where the Lord could even use them. Got them down to 300 people, and God said, that's the group that I can use. And even if he had to add a little more super to their natural, God said, I will invest in that group of people because they're the ones that I can actually use. Hallelujah, somebody. Thank you, Father. So again, we learn that large numbers alone do not guarantee victories. Large numbers alone do not guarantee victories. Large numbers alone do not guarantee victories. Small numbers are not an automatic defeat. Large numbers is not an automatic victory. Small numbers is not an automatic defeat. It is not an automatic failure status. Large numbers is not an automatic success marker. Oh, my goodness. Man, I've been in through this. I've been in through the emotional ringer on this. I have disappointed people because we weren't the size they thought we could be, should be. You know, I have had to bear the weight of people's disappointment in me. Um, We've had the loss. Let me share this story. I was at this conference once. And I was just, uh, afterwards, I was invited to go with this group of pastors to, you know, eat and fellowship afterwards. And we were in this big, big table. I'm surrounded by pastors. And uh, this guy over to my left, um, uh, at, I don't think he had even talked to me yet. Maybe we had just kind of briefly chatted. We just got seated in this table. And, uh, but I had this feeling at some point during this this night eating food that the question of how many people I had in our ministry was going to come up. And sure enough, uh, after the app, after the appetizer, but before the main course was over, here comes the question. This guy turns, I'm in sitting, right? I'm, I'm on his right. I mean, he, he's sitting right next to me and he goes, so how many are you running? <laughs> You know, and I had told myself, stop answering that ridiculous question. I mean, there's several reasons why. Um, number one, because I got tired of putting myself in this emotional whirlwind, right? J- judging myself, sizing myself up, comparing myself, my leadership, you know, whether I was successful or not. I got tired of getting into that emotional, endless, depressing, you know, it's all relative. It's all fleeting. That trap of the numbers trap. And so I said, stop answering that question. Well, uh, when this guy asked me that question, I thought, oh, here's that stupid question. But I went ahead and told him. <laughs> you know, I mean, I thought I'm going to risk it. Maybe I'm bigger than he is. You know what I mean? And then maybe I could revel, you know, in the self-absorption, patting myself on my back. Yeah. I am bigger than that guy. Ha, ha. Well, as it turned out, I don't even know. Because when that guy heard me say how many people I had, how many we were running, you know, how many sheep you running? Um, when that guy heard how many people we had, as God is my witness, he just goes, oh, and he turns away from me. He turns his, sh- he turns his back to me, and as God is my witness, He never spoke to me for the rest of the night. Now, brother, I don't know if you're watching this podcast today. I forgive you. I don't even remember your name. (laughs) I don't even remember you. But I hope that you didn't fall prey to the trap of just trying to break attendance records, if you're even in the ministry still. But listen, I'm, I'm telling you, I was like, what in the world? Oh, my goodness, man. I just got the cold shoulder. Uh, all over. He, he, he knew nothing of me. He didn't know my paradigm. He didn't know my relationship with the Lord. None of that mattered. How many you running was all that mattered. And I'm telling you, friends, that is a trap because nobody can be proven successful just by counting noses. You could have many and not be successful. You could only have a few and not be successful. But the numbers alone are not what is the gauge of your success. It's are you obedient? Listen, God will mess you up over over this kind of stuff. The Bible says that he 
is building the church. He adds to the church. And in Gideon's case, and in many other scenarios, he can also remove, depending on what the objective is. Okay? He can remove based on the objective. And uh, there was a place where he told David, don't number the people. Don't do that. Don't number them. What, well, why? why would you not number them? I mean, somebody's going to ask me how many I'm running. Why, why shouldn't I number them? <laughs> I'm going to be at a pastor's meeting, and somebody's going to size me up, and I need to be able to show them how successful I am. Yeah, we've got 500, you know. I'm going to choke back my ego, uh, you know, or be so embarrassed. Oh, great. Like, like I was. So embarrassed that if somebody asked me, how many are you running? I would give them this number and immediately would be determined weak, un, uh, incapable. Wait, 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 where's your leadership, brother? Where, where, where's your leadership? <laughs> you, you don't, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, I, I guess I missed that the ultimate objective here is just cramming as many people as we can into the Sunday morning experience so that I can have a number to tell you next time I show up at this pastor's meeting, conference, growth, guru, session, addiction thing. I don't know. You know, you, know, you, want, you wonder why. People are, pastors are driven to sexual abuse, drug abuse, pill abuse, alcohol abuse. Let's name them, right? Name them. You can name the most recent men of God, women of God that have drunk themselves out, out of the ministry, popped pills themselves out of the ministry, have affaired themselves right out of the ministry. Listen, pressure to perform. Listen, Jesus said, my yoke is light and easy. I just need you to just occupy your place in me. Wake up to your place and just hold that place. Hold that place. Who said who said that you can't be a church of 50 or 100 or 250 or 35 or 15? I, I mean, where's the line here? What is the line? I mean, what's the standard? What's that? Well, anything healthy grows, brother. Well, there's some of these churches where alcohol abuse and the leadership is growing. Are they successful? What about the strife? <laughs> it's growing, but they're 90 miles off track, going in a different direction. Yeah, it's growing, but they're not obeying. So, so that you, you understand how that is a false metric to lay over everybody. Now, granted, uh, there are ministers that uh, aren't obeying God, and they don't have the natural outworking that God had intended for them. They don't have the reach, the ministry expanse. Some, you know, I'm making this up. I don't know of anybody in particular, but we're talking about generally here. It is completely obvious and understandable that there are men and women that have been called maybe um, to get on the air, maybe to have a television show, and they're not doing it. And there's growth there. There's ministry there. There's influence there, and they're not obeying God. You know, and they're just staying comfortable, hidden away, disobeying God. Then there's others that have this, this weird, like I must be famous or something thing. And they're going out there and they've got an audience, but they're not obeying God. God never intended them to have that TikTok the way they've got that TikTok. God never intended, intended for them to develop that social platform that they have. You understand? The main thing, occupy my place. Again, he said, nothing restrains me. This is the Lord. Nothing restrains me from saving by many or by few. And when he told David, don't number the people, it, it was to help him, to break him of being so numbers driven. Listen, you're David, you're a success and you're going to win the next battle. Not because you have more people. It's because I'm with you. I'm with you. That's what, that's what the Lord wants us to get is he's with us. Are we with him? Are we where he's at? Um, you know, as far as like, uh, 
churches go. You know, the average church in the United States, now I don't know what statistics are globally, but as of, you know, I don't know, we'll see, it would have been like around 2014, the average church, or in fact, let me say it like this, 98% of all the churches in the, in the United States have less than 200 people. 98% of all the churches in the United States have less than 200 people. So if you know somebody that has more than 200 people that attend regularly, on average, we're not talking about counting, you know, the mice and the cats that are running around outside. No, if you know somebody that has more than 200 people in their church, they're in the top 2%. So listen, the majority of the church, now I'm not talking about church entity. Um, This is the problem is a lot of these gurus don't even consider uh, this place that I'm talking about, this place of obedience. Uh, most of the materials that are marketed to church growth don't even consider that. There's, there's no chapters on, on prayer. In fact, there are chapters on shying away from your controversial stuff, like speaking in tongues. It's too controversial. Uh, it, they, they think the things of the Spirit are antithetical to evangelism. It's ridiculous. The majority of these guys, these thought leaders in the, in the church growth movement, they're cessationists. Hello, somebody. Anyways, um, uh, so I'm not talking about churchanity. Now, that is a real conversation, church as industry. That's a real conversation. We'll talk about that another time. You can reach out to me, and I'll talk to you about that, my experience with it, my adulterous affair with the church growth movement. <laughs> Um, anyways, um, but the average church has less than 200 people. And listen, I want you to hear me what I'm saying. They're doing the bulk of the heavy lifting, lifting friends. Listen, do not walk into a church and say, well, oh my gosh, there's less than 200 people here. They're not doing nothing. <laughs> They're probably raising up a prayer force. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Now there's big churches that are too. Again, we're trying to de-emphasize numbers. I'm just saying. Statistically speaking, uh, the majority of believers um, are attending a church of less than 200 people. And there's thousands of them, thousands of faithful men and women of God. They're just tucked in obscurity. You know, they don't have a television show. They don't have an Instagram, a TikTok, a whatever, a WhatsApp, a whatever. I don't know. They don't have the staff to do all the social media stuff. That's that. That's why you don't know them. That's why you don't see them. Hallelujah. They're not on those platforms, many of them. That's not their primary, but they're obeying God. They're being faithful. Yeah, there's big churches, large churches that are obeying God and being faithful. Again, we're try- just trying to de-emphasize numbers here. We're not placating large churches as not being obedient. God said he can save by many, and he's doing that. Or he can save by few, and he's doing that. The trick is pressing in to what did God call you to do? Are you occupying your spiritual place? Are you obeying him? Are you being faithful? Have you owned, have you taken possession of what he's called you to regardless of if coming Easter you're going to break an attendance record? Are you just going to obey him, friend? Hallelujah. And if, and if you're not a leader, you're not a pastor, you're not a leader, you're just a, a congregant, you're a member of one of these powerful ministries, stop judging the success of your church by how many people show up or how many people didn't show up. You're there. Are you there? Are, are you there? Or are you embarrassed? What are you embarrassed of? Quit being embarrassed of your pastor. Quit that. Stop being embarrassed of where God has placed you. That's not accomplishing or helping anybody, friend. It's it's causing you to be distracted and deviate from what God has called you to do, my friends. You don't have to have large natural numbers in order to occupy a place in the spirit. Again, nothing wrong with numbers. 
But listen, here's what we would have to look for is whatever numbers, whether you have 10 or 10,000, if you have 10,000, you'd have to have a little more systems and processes to come to this determination than the guy with 10. But we're saying the, the objective with the numbers is, are they in one accord and are they postured before the Lord in such a manner that he can use them? In Gideon's situation, again, many were too afraid. God said, I can't use you. Then with 300 that, or excuse me, with 10,000, that uh, at least weren't afraid, he had to look at the condition of their heart. Listen, there are, there are men and women that are being used in the ministry that don't have the right heart. I, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's not a, you know, don't, don't, don't judge anybody. What I'm just saying is in all the masses of people that are out there standing on stages everywhere, not everybody has the right heart before the Lord, but they have talent. So they're being used regardless of their heart. And I'm saying there are some things that the Lord isn't going to be able to do. I mean, he had, not only did he send people home that were afraid, then he had to say, I can't use this guy here, or I can't use this lady here. And, and Gideon's probably like, dude, this guy's ninja skills, his bow staff skills. I mean, have, have you seen this guy in battle? Have you seen this woman? I mean, have you seen their gift? He's like, you can't use them. And the Lord says, their heart's, their heart's wrong. And Gideon's like, and I'm making this up, but you know, I mean, this is the battle, right? We're judging after the flesh and we're already diminished in numbers. And now you're saying you can't use use this guy? I mean, this this talented joker right here, man, if I put him on the worship team, gobs of people are going to come, right? I mean, if we use this woman, if we use this couple in the children's ministry, the whole town's going to love us. God says, I can't use them. Their heart isn't right. This guy's rich. That woman's rich. Come on, just let them, right, God? Can I? I mean, look, look how powerful their resources, their money, their influence. This guy's on the council. This guy's a so-and-so. This is a who's who. Come on, God, right? God said, their heart. They're, but they're talented. Their heart. They're not afraid. God says, their heart. They would draw. God says, their heart. We would break records. God says, their heart. I can't use them. I mean, we're trying to convince God that he needs to grow this thing, right? Come on, God, let's stack. Let's stack it. Stack it. Stack it. Talented talented, gifted. Let's stack it, stack it, stack it. We're, we're talking about, you know, it's obvious the afraid ones, right? They're not here. We're talking about those that have remained that look like in the natural, they've got the means, the wherewithal. They're good looking. They're talented. They're trendy. All the kids are going to love them. All the young adults are going to love them. Um, we need them because that fits the image, the mold. And I mean, snap, snap, snap. We'll have 2000 people overnight. And God goes, I can't use them. I can't use them. I mean, you ever been in that argument? Uh, thankfully, I didn't stay in that, that wrestle for long, but I've been there, unfortunately, because that's what we're, you know, in the whole church growth stuff. Uh, you know, here's, here's one that I'm going to give you in church anity. Uh, it's, uh, you can't use old people. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, listen, man, we watch so many churches get de railed over that. In fact, there was several materials. I mean, books, it was in the book. It was in the books. Uh, you know, you want to reach the next gen, right? And we goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to reach the next gen. Are you sure you want to reach people? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We want to reach people. Well then anybody over 35 needs to get off the stage. And, uh, I know of a church that did that very thing. They no longer, was there anybody over 35 on the stage? <laughs> I mean, Lord, help us at the lengths that we go to to satiate an internal desire to have the natural substantiate us. Uh, but there was a particular, I mean, lots of churches did this, but there was one church in particular, I, I, I know this church, and they did that, and it totally backfired uh, because... God was using a lot of people over 35 in that church. I mean, oh my goodness. I don't mean to laugh because a lot of people get really hurt over that. I'm laughing at the thinking. And I was trapped in that myself. Uh, now, we never did that. Uh, thank God we never said no one over 35 on our stage. We have some tremendous people that are over 35. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
And I'm telling you, they are the most powerful. I mean, you talk about a prayer force. You you talk about a no joke, no fake, no phony. Now, there's many under 35 that have that same heart and tenacity. But I can tell you, it's because they're being mentored. Come on, by some of these ones that have been tested, tried, true, found faithful, proven. And I mean, some of the most powerhouse people that I've ever seen are older people. Hallelujah. They've, they've, lived, or, they've lived a day or two, and they've figured a thing or two out. And uh, God isn't done with them. And you know what? In each decade, I don't have chapter and verse for this, just the word of the Lord, but take it as you will. But in each decade, the decade of, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, in each decade, there's an anointing that is available for that decade. And I'm telling you, there are anointings we haven't even tapped into yet because we get rid of everybody over 35. How stupid. I mean, how absolutely devilish. But again, what is the root of that kind of deception? Asking the natural, the transient, the, the, um, the, the uh, changing, ever-changing, the temporary realm to try and substantiate us. When the eternal is the thing that matters most, having that word of the Lord, what are you to do? What is your church to do? You may have a particular assignment at your church, and that assignment is not going to be cram fit into a church growth model, friends. Wow, right? Um, and particularly, if you are moving in spiritual things, you are not going to fit into a cessationist created church growth model for you. Now, there's very few resources uh, out there that are spirit-filled, but even the spirit-filled ones that I came across back around 2000, you know, back in the mid uh, uh, mid part, you know, um, what am I trying to say? Right around 2010, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, that whole period of time there, major, mega push, uh, church growth uh, and church planting and church's missional movement. But the uh, majority of the thought leaders, I mean, we're talking about the original thought leaders, they were all cessationists. None of them believed in the things of the Spirit. And uh, so the very few, like full gospel, Spirit-filled resources, um, because they were trying to be cool along with everybody else, they told you that you're going to have to do something with the gifts and the demonstrations of the Spirit because that was antithetical to, to growing your church. And, and I'm telling you, there was a lot of really good churches phenomenal pastors and leaders, some powerhouses of prayer, some ex exceptional churches that moved in exemplary demonstrations of New, New Testament church suddenly were ashamed and embarrassed of their mission and mantle because they couldn't break 200 people. Or in a lot of these churches that I had worked with, they had less than 100 people, but they were phenomenal in prayer and the demonstrations of the Spirit, but yet just basically tossed all that to try and break attendance records. Um, so this is kind of like a, we need a revival. We need an awakening of our place in the Spirit. And God wants you to hold that place. He wants you to hold that place, not give up that place, not turn loose. Of the, of the victories you've been enforcing as you occupied your spiritual place. Hallelujah. And if you're a pastor, leader, and you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, listen, friend, don't succumb to the pressure of turning this thing over to a bunch of jokers that are just going to uh, run off and play games. Um, endless. I mean, dude, I was in it. I was in it. We did all the stuff. But we never did it well. I was always internally conflicted. We did several events, and, uh, you know, we did the required Easter thing. And um, I wanted to, and we saw some people minister to. Uh, but I stopped it because I noticed a church across town competing with us. Um, you know, we have a, we're in a smaller area, and... Um, and so, you know, when we were doing this Easter event, um, you know, we, you know, plastered the community and everything, and we increased our number of eggs every year. Well, man, I'm telling you, the Lord helped me. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for helping me. 
I mean, I'm embarrassed in my testimony, but it is what it is. But the Lord helped me. And I remember, uh, for some reason, we started getting the mail outs from a particular church across town. And I noticed over a couple year, year period, this other church was just trying to outdo us. And I said, Lord, I'm done. Hallelujah. Wow. I am not competing over these precious souls, man. And I said, we're done. And uh, we're not doing it uh, again. And this little, and you know, I'm condensing a long story, but the Lord revealed a motive of my heart and it had nothing to do with people. And when I realized that, I kind of got a little sick to my stomach and I said, man, I'm done. Like, whoa, I, like I, praise God. He, he, he helped me, <laughs> helping us both the will and the do, right? Isn't that what he said in Philippians? And I'm telling you, he helped me to get out of that because it would have just been a competition. And uh, so we even called him up and said, hey, man, we'll give you all of our eggs. You can have them. You guys do it. Hallelujah. Go on with your bad self. And uh, you know what? They quit doing it. <laughs> they don't even do it. <laughs> ah, Jesus, help us. Listen, so, you know, um, not judging nobody. I'm judging myself. Justin is judging himself. And um, the Lord just said, occupy your place, man. And I said, Lord, whatever you have for us, whatever you want us to do, man, we'll do it. We'll obey you. Uh, I don't have a clue what to do if you don't help me, if you don't lead me, if you don't tell me what to do, what am I doing? Just doing something for doing something, being busy for busy's sake. And we said, no, we don't, we don't want that. We just want to be right in the middle of what you have for us. And, you know, I think it's been a, a progress, you know, a progression of dying to self. You know, I, th I think about uh, many times Catherine Coleman would come floating out on this stage, you know, in her, her grand way. And she would say this, Catherine Coleman died a thousand deaths today. You know, what was she saying? I had to die to myself to get right in this place where I'm usable. And you know what? A lot of things had to die. My church growth dreams had to die. My, whatever, my ego, my pride, my, um, uh, my desire to be, uh, you know, proven, successful, leader, church growth, model after Justin, whatever. I don't know. All that had to die. It just had to die. It had to die and stay dead. Hallelujah. Sometimes it wants to rise up. We say, ah, no, die in the name of Jesus. You're not going to get me derailed today. Not from my place. Hallelujah. So listen, friends, I hope that encouraged you today. Occupy your place. And help your pastor occupy the place. Don't worry about this other stuff. Listen, friends, it's all going to shake out. And I'm telling you, you don't want to stand up there and go, man, what did you do? You say, well, what do you mean? What do we do? Look at all these people. He said, no, no, no. I didn't tell you to break records. I told you to obey me. I told you to do this or do that. I told you to start that or go here. I told you to lead these people there. I told you to develop that in them. He said, what? Lord, look at all this other stuff we did. And he said, no, man. He said, I wasn't in that. Listen, help, help your pastors. Say, listen, you're doing a fine job. And if we never break any records, if we're not the biggest show in town, you say, I believe in the calling of God on you. And you say, pastor, I hope you believe in it. I hope you see the weight, the weight in what God's called you to do as he does. Hallelujah, friends. Hallelujah. All right, well, I hope this blessed you. Again, hey, if we can help you in any way, it'd be our honor to do so. Send us an email. Hello at GraceCityChurch.tv, right? <laughs> I forgot the email. Hello at GraceCityChurch.tv. Listen, the main thing we can do for you is come into agreement in prayer. Reach out to us and let us know how we can pray with and for you. I want to say thank you to the prayer partners. Hallelujah. For those of you that have taken up the place with us in the spirit, and uh, as it concerns this podcast, I, I just trust the Lord is going to get where it needs to go. He told us to do it. He knows what he's doing with it. We're just being faithful, holding our place here. Hallelujah, friends. But thank you for participating in that. 
and for partnering with us in prayer. And for those of you that have financially supported us, wow, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. And we truly thank you for your consideration of supporting this podcast. If you would like to do that, there's uh, ways to do that. Go to the website, gracecitychurch.tv. Hey, until next time, my friends, listen, we love you so much. And uh, we'll see you out there or we'll see you right back here. Hallelujah. We got things to do, friends. Turning cities upside down for the king. Thank you for joining me and we'll see you next time. Be blessed, my friends.